So today I'm going to uh, direct your attention to the book of Revelation. It is an interesting book, a book of comfort and peace and serenity and excitement. <laughs> and uh, uh, we're going there to Revelation, the 12th chapter. Isn't it interesting that when you, you talk to people, uh, at least for the most part, and you're trying to share things about the Lord with them that if uh, they haven't read anything else in the Bible that many and most people will tell you, oh, I've read Revelation. You're like, okay, why in the world do you start in Revelation? I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff to talk about, but it seems like if someone's going to read anything from, from the Bible, they go directly to uh, this major book. It's a good book. And here's what happens. For people that don't know the Lord, and for people that are not necessarily living for the Lord, the book of Revelation is, is, is a place of, uh, causes great trepidation and uh, anxiety and, and question, and, and I can go on and on that it's just like, what is this dragon, and what is this woman, and why is she dressed that way, and what about these horses, and how come there's vials, and what's going to shake, and is anything going to be left, and, and what are these angels, and what's going, and like, I, I don't have a clue what's, what's happening there, and so sometimes people develop fear when they go to Revelation, when the truth of the matter is for those that live for God and know the Lord and are serving God, it's not a book of fear or a book that should uh, uh, overwhelm you, but it is a book of hope and peace and it's a book of comfort and it's a book that explains and lets us know that in the end, everything is going to work out just the way He wants it to. And so when we read it, we don't read it with this hesitation. We read it with excitement. We read it with, yes, we win. We win. No matter what happens between now and then, we win. Amen. We win. So we're going to Revelation 12. And I'm going to read just three verses of Scripture, beginning with verse number 10. It says this, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The accuser is cast down. The accuser is shut up. The accuser is stopped. The accuser is put, if I can say it this way, in his place. Amen. And they overcame him. They overcame who? They overcame the accuser. They overcame the one that was relentless. The one that it seemed like would never stop. They overcame Him. I love it. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Now, I'm not going to preach much about loving our lives unto the death, but I could take that one phrase 
and preach many, many weeks of a series on that one phrase. We, we sometimes cherish life more than we cherish death. When the Scripture oftentimes teaches that the greater victory and the greater blessing comes in death. Alright? Does it not say this? Except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth. So that'll be for another time. But we are living in a day when people cherish and hold on to things, material things, relationships, dreams, desires, passions that they don't want to part with for any reason. When the Scripture said much of overcoming is being willing not to love this so much that you wouldn't be willing to give it all away and die for something greater. Most, most churches don't want to hear that kind of preaching. And you probably don't want to hear that kind of preaching because to be honest, I don't want to hear a whole lot of that kind of preaching. I do want to be reminded, Barry, from time to time that there is something greater. And sometimes those greater things come to us through sacrifice and giving rather than holding on and collecting, but that's another story. So let me move on here so you can take a deep breath. Therefore, rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Amen. I'd like to just say it this way. God has your adversary on a short leash. God has your enemy on a short leash. Sometimes we think that the adversary just has free reign. But the truth of the matter is, he knows that his days are numbered. He knows that he has but a short time to do whatever it is he's going to do and get it done with because it will soon be over for him. Amen. I'm glad we can read the book and know that we win. We know how this thing will end up. Tell your neighbor, say, everybody has a story. Now, being in Colorado, I will say, everyone has a story. But if I were in North Carolina, I'd say everybody has a story. You have a story. I have a story. We all have a story. And there is much about this Bible prophecy. And not just this particular verse or set of verses, but prophecy in general when it comes to biblical things. There's much about... Bible prophecy, both past and future, that we are challenged to understand. We look back on things and try to understand them. And we look forward to things and we try to understand them. 
And the being honest in all of this is that for most of us, we find it challenging to understand things of the past and things of the future that have not transpired. But there's a greater difficulty for many, and I think the greater difficulty is the ability to try to accurately interpret its happenings. Not just, not just understand it, but it's even a greater thing to try to interpret what has happened or what is coming our way. Now, trying to, uh, or tying ourselves to current events or, or coming events in, in the, the Word of God. We, we know things are transpiring right now. There are things that the, the, the writers of old told us about, prophecies that were given that are, that are happening right now. And there are things that they've talked about that will, will happen in days to come. And, and here we are, are tying, tying current events with things in the Scripture or tying future events to things in, in the Scripture and, 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 and it being specific is where a bulk of Bible prophecy interpretation a bulk of confusion comes from. Because people will see a current event or they will hear of a looming event and they will tie something in the Scripture to that specific event. That it's on this date or at that happening or at this whatever that all of these things are beginning to unfold and it's a seal that's going to be there or a vial that's going to be poured out or it's a this and, and that's the beginning of that and this is how... You know what I'm talking about? If you don't, you're probably in better shape than us that get confused with it when we start getting in there and trying to understand it all. But... But a greater, a bulk of confusion is when we try to take a current event and tie it specifically to something in the Scripture. Because we think, oh, that's exactly what it means. Or, 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 oh, that's exactly the sign. And then we realize uh, a few days or weeks later that maybe that wasn't the, the sign. That somebody else had a formula. Somebody else had a pick this out and add that in. And it means this. And... and, and, and it causes fear for some people and stress and anxiety for some people when the truth of the matter is it should cause us to have hope. It should cause us to realize that He's in charge and, and He will cause this all to come to pass at His time and His way no matter how we try to understand it, interpret it, see it coming or realize it all. So for the most part, the church obtains clarity in these areas. And I'm not just talking about us in general. I'm talking about just kind of people as a whole that... That, that there's not a lot of clarity. But the church, the church is different. The church should be walking in clarity. The church should be walking in a better understanding. The church should be in a place where um, we, we have clarity. But I want to be honest with you. Most of the time, our clarity comes after the fact. Most of the time, our clarity comes not before it transpires, but after it transpires. Okay? So we don't always look at it 
up front and say, oh, I understand all this. I get it all. I've got it all figured out. Many times it's after and you look back and say, oh, now, now I have some clarity there. I, I see how things were happening. And so therein lies severe danger for many people. If clarity comes for the most part in the church afterwards, there's a lot of danger in that because we don't always prepare and we don't always get ready for what's coming. And so we're blindsided or we're overwhelmed in things that that take place. So seeing signs and reading them with, with spiritual discernment is the only way to prepare I'm glad that we have clarity. I'm just kind of disappointed that much of our clarity comes after the fact rather than before it happens. Because I think if we could have more clarity before instead of after, we may be able to influence and make a greater difference in the world that we're living in. But for that to happen, it requires a greater level of spiritual discernment understanding the times that you're living in. And that's where one group of individuals uh, back in the Old Testament, it talks about the men of Issachar, that they stood out. There was something different about this, this group of men, the men of Issachar. And what was different about them is they had an understanding of their time, that they were, they were literally mentioned and, and, and elevated in Scripture as set apart. And what set them apart is that they had an understanding of the time that they lived in. Some people have no clue of what day this is. They don't realize how close we are to the coming of the Lord. The people in Noah's day, the Bible, Jesus talked about it, that just like it was in Noah's day. That's the way it's going to be when, when, when my return happens. That they will be living their lives, doing their things, and have no idea until it all happens to them and comes and takes them away. They have no, no realization that we're this close. <laughs> and that's the world we're living in right now. People have no idea how close we are to the coming of the Lord. And so we have to see the signs around us and read them and interpret them uh, properly and correctly and have spiritual discernment. And if we can do that, then we'll prepare for what is ahead. We'll be prepared for what's coming our way. So today, uh, we're going to look at this amazing Scripture. And, And I read to you three verses there. We're going to look at this the Scriptures here and uh, the reality from a place of being ready. Everybody say ready. We We want to be ready. We want to look at this not after the fact. We want to look at this before and uh, be ready. So, to think that there is no resistance, you know people that think that there's, you know what, you folks are just making a big deal out of nothing. You, You hear the conversations, you hear the comments. Oh, you're just making, you're, you're just blowing this out of proportion. It's really not that big of a deal. It's, it's you'll be okay. It's just, you're going to think that there is no resistance, to think that there is no attack, to think that there is no hindrance from an outside source coming toward us is to have your head in the sand. Because the Bible tells us here that there is an accuser 
of the brethren. There is someone that is constantly bringing your name up in an accusatory manner to say, they this, they that, they aren't, they'll never, they'll. There is an accuser that constantly badgers, if I can use that term, our God about you. They're failures. They'll never live it. They don't believe it. They're never going to accept it. They're not going to change. Why do you take a chance on them? You ought to count them out. You ought to just wipe them out. There's a constant, constant onslaught of accusing, and it's been that way. Accusing, 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 accusing. The scripture tells us that there's this battle that, that rages on. And, and it's, it's, it's a mistake if you live your life as though everything's good, everything's okay, there's no devil, there's no Satan, there's no, no temptation, there's no bad stuff, there's, you're just making this stuff. No, there's someone that wants to see you destroyed. There's someone that wants to see you go through life without mercy, without grace, without forgiveness, without divine help. Just, just see you overwhelmed with problems and issues and stress and difficulty and it's constant, constant, constant. You, sometimes we think, oh, it's a family member, it's a friend or it's society. No, the Bible tells us that there is your adversary, the devil, the Bible said, like a, like a roaring lion. Lion roams about constantly seeking whom he may devour. You have an adversary. And sometimes we try to put a face on that adversary and say, my husband, my wife, my children, the man on the job, my family, they're the problems in my life. No, the problem is there is an adversary called the devil that wants your life to be destroyed and anything and everything he can do, he's going to try to stop you from going forward in God. He's going to launch that attack, launch that attack. And if he can confuse you to attack other people, then he'll take the attention off of himself and you'll spend all of your time with grievances and bitterness and fighting with people that really have nothing to do with all of the issues going on in your life. But I can tell you one thing, there's a God that'll hear your cry when you take it to Him in prayer and get off everybody else's back and start saying, God, there is one that is attacking my family, attacking my life, attacking my mind, attacking my finances, attacking my body, attacking my my sanity. And God, I'm coming to you today because I know that I can't handle that, but you can. I know I can't get my hands on Him, but you can. I know that I can't can't do it, but you can. See, you'll get a whole lot more done attacking the enemy by the, through the help of God than you will attacking one another because you think they're your problem. The Bible says this. The Bible is very clear on, on all of this. And so uh, it's a mistake if you think that uh, you're just living life free of the attack of the enemy. Not only do we have difficulties in life, everybody say amen, amen, but we also have this unseen foe working overtime to impede our progress in God. He doesn't want whatever potential progress I have, 
He doesn't want me to step into that potential. And so he comes against me and he fights the church and he fights the people of God. But, but in my, at least my motivation is for you and I to recognize we have an adversary, to recognize that there is one against us, but as sure as there is one against us, there's one for us, hallelujah. And greater is he that is within us than he that is in this world. It's my motivation to see you move forward in God. It's my motivation to see you move forward in the things of God. And this scripture describes that in detail. And the word that is used for this forward movement and progress in God is overcoming. They overcame. 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 Overcoming. It is possible to live in a constant place of being attacked, but at the same time not being stopped. Man, I wish I could tell you that all these years later in God, Barry, there's always, well, I just, I've never had an issue, never had a problem. Everything's been great. I've just moved forward every day, Zach. No hindrance, no setback. Everything's great. No, the, the truth is there's always been attack. There's always been accusing. There's always been difficulty. There's always been struggle. But at the same time, I've moved forward because I put my confidence in Him. I put my trust in Him and I made up my mind the accuser's not going to stop me. The one that tries to hold me back is not going to stop me because there is one greater that is on my side and my confidence is in Him and we will overcome. Somebody shout overcome. We overcome, we overcome, we overcome. And so to overcome, there are things that the Bible tells us we need in our lives, and we have to act upon. Amen. You know what holds most people back? Thinking less, thinking less of their God, thinking less of themselves, thinking, thinking there's no way, nobody understands, my family dynamic, my upbringing, my current situation, things that are going on. That's what holds a lot of people back. Just, they just face issues that many times dominate their mind every day. It's getting worse. Things are bad. Uh, they're against me. He's against me. She's against me. My job. Nothing's working out. And so you start buying into all of this, pushing down. You're being pushed down, pushed down on every side. And that holds a lot of people back. Giving attention to lesser things. Giving allegiance to lesser things instead of trusting God to bring them through where they are at that present moment. And so to, to overcome is to move from that lesser place, move from being underneath, if you will, to being on top of the situation. Instead of being overrun by the situation, you're in charge of the situation. Amen? So overcoming is putting you in the driver's seat. Tell your neighbor, say, that's you driving. Now, that may be a scary thing for some of us. I'd rather drive with a broke back than my wife drive. That's just me. And she feels the same about me. So it's mutual. There's a mutual respect here and agreement. I want to drive. I, I'm, I, I drive for the most part. But she can get around town and make it on her own, you know, if, if she needs to do that. But, you know, when you're in the driver's seat, 
You feel in charge. Now, other people may talk, but you're going to do what you want to do at the end of the day. I'm going to turn, stop, speed up. They can say, watch out. go!" And I'm like, I can handle this. I, just tell me if we're about to die. But it, and sometimes I don't even want to know that. Just let it happen. Instead of, oh, wait, oh, hit. And I'm like, you're scaring me worse than the people around me. <laughs> just stop already. Okay? She feels the same about me. You know, I, Tony, I like to use the mirrors, and, and I, but my wife likes to use her whole body to turn around and look at what's coming. Sometimes I'm looking at mirrors. She's like this. Look, and I'm like, babe, just watch the road, okay? I, watch in front of us. Let's, let's like, where we're headed. <laughs> well, I want to see this, and, and then she says that about me. You're looking at everything else but the road. Like, well, I'm good at that. I can keep one eye on the road and read all the signs and, and, and see the stuff going on. <laughs> Megan says, Dad, I, I don't want to ride with you. You make me sick. I, I'm riding with Mom. I don't like to ride with you. And I say, just sit back there and ride. You know, it's, if you want to get where we're going, then you're going to have to ride. It, it's, it's, when you're in the driver's seat, you're in charge. Or at least you think you're in charge. Depend on, depending on who's riding with you, maybe you are not in charge. But, but it's, it's putting you in a place of authority. And that's what the Scripture is talking about. That God will give you a place of authority. You overcome the accusations. You overcome the lesser type of thinking. You overcome the attack. And instead of being controlled, you gain control of the situation. And, 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 it's, and it's clear. And I'm going to go to this real, real quickly because I want you to hear it. To accomplish victory, John the Revelator said, he proclaimed that it, that it requires a couple of things. And one of those things that it requires is the blood of the Lamb. So in other words, it starts with in case you're wondering or confused about where I'm headed, you can't do this by yourself. I've talked the last 20 minutes or so about what you need to do, but the fact is it starts with Him. You can think better. You can go to rehab. You can try to get your life straight. You, you can do all the human things possible. But without His blood, you'll never gain authority. Without His blood, you'll never be in control. Without the blood of the Lamb, you will not live an overcoming life. So it begins with the blood of the Lamb. Amen. The sacrifice of Calvary. Knowing what Jesus did for us. And letting that sacrifice be applied to our life through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't just want the Calvary experience. I also want the empty tomb experience. Amen. I don't want to just come to one place and stop right there. I want to make sure that I have experienced the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout, there's an empty tomb. And if you don't feel sacrilegious by saying this, you could say, there's a bloody cross 
but there's also an empty tomb. Amen. I'm thankful for the blood that he shed on the cross, but if he had not rose from the dead and left the tomb empty, what he did at Calvary would not make an eternal difference in my life. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He didn't just die. He also defeated the grave. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's an empty tomb. The grave could not hold him. It could not keep him. And so the Bible tells us that we overcome through the blood of the Lamb. How is that, How is that sacrifice and what He did for us at uh, Calvary 2,000 years ago, how is that uh, today applied to our life? Well, it's applied through repentance. It's applied through baptism, water baptism in His name, by immersion, having the name of Jesus called over our lives through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in another tongue. The blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our lives and we overcome the accuser. We overcome the attack. We overcome the issues through the blood of the Lamb. I want to make sure that the blood has been applied to my life through those steps of obedience. And when I have the blood of the Lamb in my life, I'm on my way to overcoming. But I want to tell you, I have, been, I, I have been many places and I've seen a lot of folks who have experienced new birth but still live defeated, overwhelmed, controlled by the adversary. Man, I wish I could tell you that all the places I've been and all the people that I've seen experience new birth were, were just living an overcoming life. But the truth of the matter is that's, that's not the case. I've seen a lot of people experience those things and still struggle to make it through life and to survive every day. You probably know some folks like that. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life. You're like, I did all those things and why am I still feeling this way? And why am I still going through all this stuff? And why do I feel like everything else has control of my life but me? How come I'm overcome and not overcoming? How am I living in this place of overcome by problems and issues and situations and stresses and go to church, I did all those things, where is the answer in all of this? Where, where is the help in all of this and what can I do? Well, the Bible said not only was it the blood of the Lamb, but it was also the word of their testimony. The word, everybody shout the word. The word of their testimony. And so, so, so you need to not just know your testimony, you need to declare your testimony. There's some people that know where God brought them from, but never share where God brought them from. Know what God's done in their life, but never tell anybody what God's done in their life. 
They, 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 they know where they were. They know the depth of sin they were in. They know the addictions that controlled them. They know the pain and fear and heaviness that they lived under. And where they are today, they look back and they're thankful for what the Lord has done. But they never share that story. Never tell anybody. Never declare what God did in their life. So overcoming happens when you declare, when you start telling, when you begin to share. It's the word. Everybody has a story. And your story isn't my story. And my story isn't your story. Your experience is not my experience. My experience is not your experience. My testimony will help some people, but my testimony may not help everybody. Your testimony may not help everybody, but it will help somebody. It will make a difference in somebody's life when you begin to say, I once was there, but I'm not there anymore. I once was in that shape, but I'm not in that shape anymore. I once was overwhelmed. I once... But not anymore. Not anymore. Look what the Lord has done in my life. Let me tell you where God brought me from. Let me share with you what I have in my life now that I did not have in my life then. So you, you need to not only know it, we have to get to the place where we're not afraid to declare it. Where we will speak it or share it. And so it, when you start sharing your testimony, it resonates in eternity. And, and it reverberates through time. When you, there's nothing greater you can do. You want, you want to put the devil on the run in your life? Just start telling people how good God's been to you. You, you want to get the devil running, fleeing, <laughs> just taking his hands off your family? Instead of talking about how bad everything is, Start telling people how good God's been. Can I tell you when I didn't deserve it and when, I, and when I wasn't really a candidate for it, His love and His mercy and His grace reached down into the pit that I was in and the confusion that I was living in and the pain that I was in and the hurt that I had. I don't feel that way anymore because God lifted me. God changed me. God touched me. When you start telling people about your testimony, it's, it, it shakes everything around you. And it, it affects your life presently and sets you up for eternity in a wonderful state. It, he said it. We, the accuser's cast down. Accuser, he, he's not always going to be in control. He's not always going to... He's, he's coming down. And, and the, to overcome that, you overcome through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and through your everyday testimony of what God has done in your life and what God is doing in your life. That, that it comes to you a strength that you didn't have, an authority that you didn't have, an overcoming. Instead of being overwhelmed, you start overcoming. I've seen people, like I explained earlier, that they, they've experienced new birth and are still trying, they're still living in depression, still living overwhelmed, still living sick, still living always in trouble, still not knowing how they're going to make it. I've seen same kind of situations. 
somebody else look at their life and say, I'm not going to stay where I was or where I've been. I'm going to start telling folks how good God has been in my life. And as soon as they begin to open their mouth and declare their testimony, God starts moving in their situation. And what was controlling them doesn't control them anymore. What plagued their mind doesn't have place in their mind anymore. I'm not saying that you have to do it like everybody else. Some people are very bold in their faith. Some people are very reserved in their faith. But they're just as effective in their reservation as someone in their boldness. I've seen some folks that they can't do it any other way but by being just up in your face, just wow! They can't do it any other way. And I've met other folks that you couldn't pay them to, wow! But just by being reserved and sensitive and a soft word melts the strongest heart. God called you to be you and to declare your testimony from your personality and from who you are. Not trying to be like... Listen, it would have been madness if everybody, all 12 disciples were just like Simon Peter. Jesus would... It would have been like the nursery. He would have been putting out fires and separating. Share. You got to share. Don't say that. Don't hit. Don't, don't you touch. Peter, he was the one that pulled the sword and said, I will take his head off and was a bad shot and took the guy's ear off. He wasn't aiming for an ear. He was aiming for the guy's neck. But he was probably talking in the middle of it and God, God wants you to be you. You know, Simon Peter's brother was Andrew. Andrew, Andrew heard from Jesus first. Read the story. And Andrew went and got his brother, Peter, and brought his brother, Peter, to Jesus to become the disciple he was. And we hear a lot about Peter. You know, the guy with the keys of the kingdom, the guy that preached on the day of Pentecost. There's books in the Bible by him, but there's no Andrew book. There's no, Andrew on the day of Pentecost said, Andrew's shadow... You don't hear a lot about Andrew. What you do hear about Andrew is that he reached his brother. And he wasn't, wow! He was probably, hey Simon, I, I, I met someone that you knew. His approach was a whole lot different. But it made an impact. Your testimony, coming from your personality, changes life. It puts you in a place to overcome. Don't be afraid to declare it. You know it, share it. You, you lived it, now let somebody else experience it in your life. Because the more you do that, the greater strength that you have to overcome all of the stuff that seems to be weighing down in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor's talking to you today. Amen. You're encouraged when you share your testimony. Heaven is exalted when you share your testimony. Satan is defeated when you share your testimony. The church is strengthened when you share your testimony. The lost are convinced when you share your testimony. It literally makes a difference in all areas when you declare 
your word. So open your mouth and start sharing your story. Everybody has one. And you know what? Some people are embarrassed about it. I would never be embarrassed about where God brought me from. Because your testimony could be the very thing that somebody you're talking to needs to hear. Had they heard someone else's, they may have never responded. You know, and I'll say this, and I, I, I have through the years said this more so in, in settings where I'm talking to young people. The greatest testimony is not the testimony of, hey, I, I was deep in sin and I did all these various things and, and, and come back and that's a great... Sometimes when you're in the church or kids are in the church or youth or people are in the church and, and they think that I don't have that kind of testimony. You know, my wife has never, 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 ever done things that I did. <laughs> the greatest testimony is not mine. In my opinion, the greatest testimony is hers. Because her testimony is He kept me. I didn't have to experience those things to realize I needed Him. I didn't have to make my way there and all the hurt and pain. and do. Still a sinner. Still in need of His grace. Still had to be washed in His blood. But didn't have to live some of those things. You know, you sow those things and you have to reap that reward. You know what? Her testimony. So many times I'll tell you, just because someone comes in and says, I did this, I did a hard time, and I've been there, and I, I, you know, killed them, and I, man, I wish I, no, you don't wish you had that testimony. No, you don't. But here's the thing. It's their testimony. And what would scare some people half to death if they heard it, make them run from you, would cause someone else to say, well, there, maybe there is a place in that church for me. Your testimony matters. And it doesn't matter if you have a testimony like my wife or a testimony like me. Hers is as valid as mine and is as effective as mine. Some people will hear her story and be moved by her story more than they would be through mine. And some may hear mine and be more moved through mine than hers. But God puts us in the lives of people. And the point is when you share it, you are overcoming the things. Don't hide. Don't run. Don't, don't forget. Don't share where God brought you from. Somebody needs to hear that. And when they hear it, it will change their lives. So here's, here's as I close. Here's what I recommend. Start posting your testimony. Post about everything else. Things I could care less about and really don't want to know about. And wish I could tell you, you're not only embarrassing yourself, you're embarrassing me and anybody that knows you. I mean, where is the... Where, where are the parameters in all this stuff? Start telling your testimony. Start emailing your testimony. Start calling and telling people about your testimony. Start sharing your testimony. Something that has eternal value. 
I mean, you're telling everybody about your problems. Are you feeling better today? No. Still depressed, still mad, still in the And you told everybody about it. Made you feel great, right? No, it caused you to realize, what was I thinking? I didn't even drink anything. I didn't take anything. Why am I saying all of this? Because the enemy wants you to believe that the more you just talk, things will get better. No. It's what you're saying changes it. It's the word of your testimony, not the discussion of all your issues. God is good. God, look where God brought me from. Look how God has moved in my life. Look how God has changed things and turned it all around for me. Your testimony has eternal value. Your testimony has weight. Your testimony has life-changing qualities. Some of the stuff that we fill our lives with, the conversations that we have and our minds are overwhelmed with, it doesn't move us forward. It doesn't put us in a place of overcoming. In fact, in many cases, it causes us to go backward. Causes us to... (laughs) be stuck where we are instead of moving in Him. So, let me ask you a quick question. Lisa's beginning to play...